Hello, guys. Monday Mana, episode six. Let's get into it. So, today we're going to be talking about the Eucharist. And I just want to start off I'm not coming at any Catholics, I'm coming at Catholicism and the doctrines that I think are very detrimental and unbiblical. And that can affect our relationship with God in a very deep and potentially really bad way. So, we'll get into those. So, the reason why I wanted to do this, the network podcast 1517 had a podcast which I thought was really good for a while. Um, I still think they're great besides their Catholic um, doctrines. They were going through John 6. Um, it was like 30, uh, 43 through 52, something like that. And they were going through the passage. I have it right here on a Blue Letter Bible. And they were going through the passage talking about Jesus eating, um, you know, talking about communion. Essentially is what he was doing. You know, drink of my blood, eat of my flesh, that you may have eternal life, this sort of thing. Which, if you are in Calvary like I am, or even non-denominational or just Baptist, whatever, typically you think this, you'd be right, um, to say that this is a symbolic thing, that communion is not a literal thing. Um, we're going to break that down. I know normally I was going to do my Genesis studies, but I thought I'd put this on hold because I listened to this from 1517, and I was just like, I just, this is something that's very serious and um, that causes, it's, it's just a very serious thing. Um, th there's a lot of doctrines in Catholicism Catholicism that are not good. I'll just put it plainly, they're not good and they add stuff to our salvation, right? And that's not good. So we're gonna get into this and we're gonna read some and I'm gonna break down, is the Icarus, is it biblical? And all of these things so let's get into it so passage I'm gonna be looking through and why I um, why I wanted to do this whole thing was because of this passage um, we're gonna be going through and talking about the context of um, the doctrine which is the Eucharist which for those that don't know the Eucharist is just a fancy name uh, it's basically in Catholicism when they have communion they get the bread and they get the wine or grape juice, whatever. And they believe, the doctrine, believes that the body of Jesus Christ himself is literally that bread that they're holding. That bread turns into the literal body of Jesus Christ and as well the grape juice or the wine, typically the wine, turns into the literal blood of Jesus Christ. And for those that haven't heard that, and are like, "Well, it's a shock," it is. It's it's shocking, right? It, it's a man-made doctrine, to put it truthfully. And we're gonna see that um, this is something that just doesn't fit the Bible, and doesn't fit um, when you look at the context of what Jesus Christ is actually talking about. And furthermore, looking at the broader, just looking at the Bible in general, we can see that this doesn't line up with biblical um, doctrines. Um, so yeah, so the verse verses that we're going to be going through is, um, let's just start, and to give some context, um, well, let's read it. We're going through John 6, um, and actually, I want to... Uh, just on the fly, boop. I'm gonna change myself, put my down, myself down right there so you can actually see the text better. So, 
So we're going to be reading through 41, and this whole kind of passage, and you can even see right down there, it says, I'm the bread of life, right? Um, we're going to get into it. So uh, starting at uh, John 6, 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And now some context, Jesus Christ, before this, we can even see, he fed um, the 5,000. And the reason why the Jews are coming and they're complaining to him because basically they're like, hey, Jesus, um, you just fed us 5,000 fishes and loaves, so um, can you do that again? So they're basically, they don't believe in Jesus. They're just following him around to get more food and to make him king, which he doesn't want to. So that's some context. And, um, and again, context, he's saying, I'm the bread which came down from heaven because they're telling him, like, hey, you know, uh, our... Just read this, and you'll get the broader context. But again, they're just complaining to him because they want more food. Is the, lane, the basic, the, the short and long of it. So let's continue on. And they said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, who, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Again, they're just giving, um, they're doubtful. They're not believing in him. They're saying, Oh, I know his mother and father. How is it possible that he's come down from heaven? Continuing on, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now we'll raise him up at the last day. Um, it's talking about the resurrection, and uh, this is talking. I'm not going to get into this this video. You know, talking about um, basically, you know, as a I go to Calvary, not a denomination, but you know, I believe in. Uh, this is just a side, but I'll quickly mention this because some people are probably going to ask. Um, this is something, some, getting aside, but some people can use this as um, a springboard for Calvinism, and that's not it, right? We know that we have free will as um, human beings to choose Christ or to not choose Christ, and this is basically saying, you know, we, uh, it's, the, it's the funny conundrum saying, but it's true to say um, we are elected, but... We're predestined, but we still have free will. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, it's the whole idea. Take, for instance, marriage, right? There's no one that you're going to find in marriage. The one that you find in marriage is going to be the person that you married. So no matter what, there was a one, but that one just was the one that you chose to marry. So same thing with Christ and with God. When we are predestined, it's just when we choose him because we chose him, and so we were always going to choose him because that's just what we were going to do so we chose him something like that so anyways and then continuing on john 6 uh, 45 it is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by god therefore everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me and again this is building up to what he's about to say this is why i'm reading this now that not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from god has he has seen the father basically saying jesus i've seen the father y'all haven't most assuredly, I say to him, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Full stop. This is great theology. This is Jesus saying, hey, not anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has not seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Boom. This is a factual statement that we can see Jesus himself is saying. He's saying, you believe in me, you will have eternal life. Now he's flipping into a symbolic metaphor of how this everlasting life works. 
reason I want to say this and preface this is because Catholicism tells you that this passage that we're about to read is not symbolic, it is literal, and that, plainly put, is false. Plainly put. I mean, it, it, Christ himself uses symbolism to further emphasize a point, right? If God just said this already without this, you, you may believe, oh yeah, well, okay, that makes sense, but no. Right here, he's giving the factual claim, and then he's giving an analogy. He's giving a symbolism, um, something to help the Jews uh, further understand what he's trying to do. Again, this is a great example of somebody, you know, if you're trying to explain to somebody, like, you know, give them, you give them a factual statement, and then they, you know, they kind of look at you side-eyed. Well, you give them an analogy, right? You give them something, some sort of symbolism that they can understand it better, and this is what Jesus is doing right now. So, but let's get into it. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Okay. Clearly, we can see this is symbolic, right? Because, and we're going to continue reading, but he's literally saying right now, it's like the bread which comes down from heaven, which is Christ. That's what he's talking about. He's, he's, he's putting himself as the bread. Again, symbolism. He's saying, if you eat of that, eat of me, symbolically, you may not die. Now, what is the death he's talking about? He's talking about spiritual death. He's talking about death, being dead to God, and being separated from him, hell, right? That you shall not die spiritually and be away from God. That's what he's talking about. Because we can't take this as literal because we wouldn't die if this whole communion Icarus thing was true because he literally himself says one may eat of it and not die right so already there's a red flag being drawn up how this um the doctrine that catholicism puts forth is already looking to be not good and if i haven't explained it i want to explain it further they believe and we're going to get on later um and i'll read to and, and we're going to continue on reading but i do want to to give some uh and I'm giving y'all uh, illogical things. I do, it, there's no other way to put it. Illogical things. Um, I'm saying these right now because the more we're going to read, I'm going to show you what Catholicism and what they believe. A big thing about what they believe is, the reason why I brought this up, is that they believe um, that, um, Again, it says even right now, eats my flesh, drinks my blood, is eternal life. But what they believe is that, oh, here it is. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This is the verse that they use to say that communion has a sort of salvific um, implication that when you do it, you gain salvation. The reason why I brought up this whole thing um, and, and told you how it's illogical to think this because we cannot take any of this as literal we have to take this as symbolic because again we, we see it again he says he's further emphasizing this point that if you eat my blood if you eat my flesh and drink my blood that you will have eternal life and again right here whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and i will raise him up on the last day talking about resurrection we cannot take this as literal because 
right here we're going to see that this implies salvation. They say, my blood abides in me and I in him, right? What did, that language is talking about salvation, right? And we can't take this as a literal statement to therefore eat. And here's the thing. I was listening, and, and this isn't a slander to the people in, in, in 1517. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. If you, if you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again in three days, and call him Lord, you're Christian and you're saved. You know, you might have some wacky theology, but you're saved. And the reason I say this is, and I'm just I'm going to say it truthfully. They gave a pretty. I guess it was a strong point, but it was pretty silly. Because in Catholicism, they don't now, the bread, when it turns it, because it's called, I forget the, the phraseology, they call it words of transmutation, I think, something like that. Correct me in the comments. It's something like that, basically where the priest holds it up and, and it transforms into the um, body of Christ and the blood of Christ. But here's the thing, the, the physical appearance doesn't actually change. They just say it has the properties, but it physically still looks like a piece of bread I'm I'm not wanting I will dog on it that doesn't make any sense I'm you know if I were to pull up to you and have a piece of bread and I say hey this piece of bread though it looks like a rock I mean though it looks like a piece of bread it has the properties and is a rock so if you eat it you'll get exactly the exact nutritional facts of a rock that's not I mean <laughs> You can you see how this is? I'm I'm not trying to laugh, and it doesn't make any sense, right? We have to logically think about these things and see how this is symbolism, people. Again, and and further emphasizing the point of, he first said. He gives the factual statement and then goes into the symbolism. He says, "Boom, I say to you, he who believes in me." has everlasting life period that's the qualifier that's how you get salvation and then he later talks about an analogy and how this he gives a physical analogy of a spiritual reality that will happen if you believe in him right this is what's happening in the scripture and it does not support um the eucharist and catholicism it, it just doesn't you know you, you can't pull up this and further re-emphasizing jesus many times has said stuff that is symbolism. He talks in parables all the time. And another thing, when we pick and choose and, and, and make symbolic statements of anybody, let alone Jesus, into factual statements, what happens is that this is how culture started. Okay, and I say that in the nicest way possible, but this is how they start. An example, and I actually have it pulled up here um we have with us go back to capture we have with us here a famous scripture first thessalonians four sixteen. this is a scripture that is sort of a, a a very big scripture for mormonism reason is in mormonism they believe jesus is the mike Ar is the archangel michael how do they believe that well this is how let's read it for the lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, if you're just reading this, you're like, how does, 
how does this make, um, you know, Jesus an archangel? Specifically, Michael. Well, they believe this because the only archangel described in the Bible is Michael. That is true. That is true. It is described as, and, and is only that the archangel is, we can only see that title uh, attributed to the, ar- the angel Michael. The reason that they say Jesus is now the archangel Michael is because he says, the Lord himself, which is Jesus, um, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. This is their whole proof. They built the whole theology of Jesus Christ himself being, and, and this, is, this is antithetical to the Bible, I just want to say, because they believe that Jesus is a created being. Okay, The reason why I bring this up is you can see when we take scripture and factual statements um, and take them as symbolic or take symbolic statements and take them as factual, we get bad theology. Right. This is how bad theology and doctrine starts is when we do not take the Bible in the context. This is a very important thing that us as Christians and Bible believers need to do. We have to take the entire Bible into context. We can't read something and have a, you know, a preconceived uh, sort of doctrine and then now read it and now like, oh, we just made this new doctrine. We cannot do that. We have to read what is there and what it's showing. Clearly in John 6, I'm just going to say it, this is not factual. This is Christ giving an analogy. Again, like I said, he's giving a symbolic um, analogy to a spiritual reality that will happen if you believe in him. Right? He's trying to make it easier for the Jews to understand what he's trying to tell them with a symbolic analogy. And again, the reason why this point is so big and, and why... Yeah, this is a huge thing because this comes down to salvation, right? Catholicism believes if you don't do this, you're not saved. And again, that proof text is, um, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. That's their proof text. This is why this is so serious because when you take the Bible out of context, you get verses that you think are going to be salvific when the only thing that qualifies our salvation is us believing, like it says, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Boom. Moreover, I just want to say, here in, um, I just want to give another example of Jesus being symbolic. So we're going to uh, turn here to Luke. Um, Boom, I'm just going to pull it up right there, right here. Um, which also, I love Blue Letter Bible. If y'all just use Blue Letter Bible, you can look up keywords. I looked up Mother and Father. Anyways, um, Luke here. This is a great example of Jesus being um, symbolic, right? He's using a analogy to drive home a point. He says, anyone who comes to me and does not hate his mother and hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What is he saying? Is he saying to literally hate basically essentially everybody you know and even yourself then you can be your disciple uh, his disciple no we even see one of the commandments is honor your mother and father right so that's in conflict that contradicts so we have to then say okay what is he getting at he's getting at 
he's bringing he he's saying we have to hate our own lives to love Christ. We have to die to this world. And moreover, the, the bigger picture, what he's saying is, in terms of importance, Christ has to be the tippity top. Everybody else has to be just infinitely lower, right? Christ has to be the very top of our lives, and everybody else has to be lower. That's why he's saying, he's not saying literally hate him. He's saying, you know, I have to be the most important thing in your life. Um, not literally hate your mother and father. Again, Jesus himself says, if uh, your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Does he literally mean that? Some people can take that as literally. I don't. What he is is just saying a harsh reality is if if something's in your life that is causing you to sin, cut it out. Get it out of your life. Push it aside. Get away from it. Flee. That's the reality he's trying to say. He's giving a very extreme example to give a point. That's what he's doing. Um, and you know, we have to understand this. Uh, and the biggest point as well, let's uh, bring this one up too. I think this is a great one. What has Christ told us? Um, and and th this is another one we can see right here. The Jews ask him, they say, um, before this, a little bit of um, context. They say, what can we, basically, what can we do to do the works of God? Then Jesus says this, and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one in whom he sent. Boom. Boom. That's it. You want to do something? I mean, you want to do a work, in quotation marks? Because it's not a work, right? If you believe in somebody, that's, you're not working for anything. You're just believing that they're going to do something, right? It's like if you tell your friend, hey, order this pizza. If you have faith in them that they're going to order the pizza or believe in them, then it's just you just believe in them. Right? It's, you're not doing anything. And this is what Jesus has clearly said. The work of God, that you believe in him in Him whom he sent, which is who? Jesus, right? Believe in him to have everlasting life. It goes back to this John six forty seven. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Period. End of discussion, right? This is the core of salvation. This is Christianity, is believing in Jesus Christ, nothing else. Um, and why this is, again, a really, it's a very bad doctrine. It brings a work into salvation, which we know no work will affect our salvation. Our salvation is trusting and calling Jesus Christ Lord and believing in him. And moreover, Paul himself said, uh, you know, our salvation, I'm... I'm going to butcher this, but he basically says, I'm prepared, um, you know, it's a free gift of God, let not a work of man, lest anyone should boast. I know it was butchered, but essentially he said that. He said, you can't get, you know, the, the gift, it's a gift, right? You can't do anything to get a gift. You don't work for a gift, right? You just accept it, right? You believe it's that same thing. So this is why I want to make this video. I'm going to get back to the original Genesis studies here soon i thought i'd just make this video because the lord was putting on my heart and it's um you know was i at a focus this whole time no no was i at a focus dang i've just not realized this well if you're watching this i'm just gonna dang that stinks that really does stink dang i'm really out of focus anyways 
Hopefully you enjoyed this video. I'm not going to record this again, honestly. That Wow, that really does snake. I thought, let's see if we can focus this in midway through. How about that? So it's at least focused at the very end. Come on. There we go. Really? Wow. I'm sorry, folks. Well, anyways, if you're just listening to this, then just listen. Whatever. But hopefully you enjoyed this video. I thought it was a very important video. And again, I'll get back to my normal Genesis studies here soon. I thought it was just a sign-off video because it's important, right? We need to know that our salvation doesn't come from anything else but Jesus Christ. So you have a good one. Have a blessed one. And as always, think about yourself less and think about God a little bit more. Well, actually a lot more. You have a blessed night. Peace. Sorry about the blurry video. <laughs>